All right, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. Welcome to another live presentation for those that showed up in real time. And of course, for those that are not here in real time, uh, this will be, in fact, pre record, or this will be recorded to be played back and watched afterwards. So, Today's episode or today's special presentation is called Understanding the Xeno State, and we're going to be merging a handful of different elements and perspectives from uh, certain different data points that have recently come to not just come to light in the public domain from what's called OSINT, Open Source Intelligence Perspective, but also having to do with some other things that we've actually covered in the past many, many months ago that we can finally sort of bring back to the forefront of the, the metaphorical uh, table of data and say, hold on, there may be a direct correlation here. So let's start first and foremost with the, <clears throat> uh, with the, let me see right over here, with understanding, actually, let me just share my entire screen for that matter. Okay, understanding what Xeno means. So according to dictionary.com, Xeno means a combining from a form meaning alien, strange, or guest used in the formation of compound words, xenogamy, xenolith, you name it, right? Of course, uh, many people these days are quite familiar with what's been called the xenobots, as has been developed by Mr. Michael Levin. Now, one thing that I find quite peculiar about Mr. Levin's work on the xenobots, believe it or not, is this right over here. So if we type in the xenobots right over here, and I wanted to do this in real time with everyone, we'll find, again, that there seems to be some type of intermergence between the the quote-unquote viewable comfortability that organic cells have with these xenobots and these bio uh, nano composite materials and bio uh, we could say nano electric materials but uh, particularly because there seems to be quite a bit of focus these days on you know what's um for example if we'll just use a, a, a craft or a ufo as an example what's the metal made out of what's the um what's the craft made out of specifically what is within the metal that potentially as we've discussed in months prior on the show on the member side the subatomic isotopic mo uh, molecular levels of the design structure of those elements because it seems as though that Again, like many have said, people with far more credentials than myself, the aluminum or the zinc, for example, or the magnesium bismuth or things like this that you find on Earth is not particularly any different than what you would find on, say, like Pluto or Mars or what have you. It comes down to the concept of what's been re-engineered at what we call the molecular level. And I don't like to use the word subatomic, particularly given the way in which more and more forms of evidence, even in the academic literature, seem to allude that atoms are not really a thing. But anyways, that, that's for a whole other conversation. Point being is that we're going to be covering and going through Dr. Harold uh, or Hal, uh, Hal Pudoff's ultra-terrestrial models. Now, of course, uh, Mr. Pudoff uh, works at the Institute for Advanced Studies at Austin, at Earth Tech Incorporated, and, at, and all of that. But one thing that I wanted to point out quite specifically is that as we go through each one of these models here and these different possibilities, let's also call a spade a spade. Let's not be naive to the different possibilities in which may be in, uh, disseminated here for the sake of a, uh, potential distraction, but also B, potential emphasis. It can go both ways. 
on the different forms of what we may in fact be living within. So with that said, what I would like to do, believe it or not, is first and foremost, before we cover the paper, pull up this image right over here from a good friend who's actually someone that I, I met uh, on Twitter that many of you may see I do Twitter spaces with. His name on Twitter's Tupacabra. I think his real name is Sam. Very cool guy. I encourage everyone to, to check him out on Twitter. Very, very nice guy. Very down-to-earth guy. And he sent me this and he said, Dave, this is an illustration that I, I actually uh, did myself in an attempt to summarize or at least give a very foundational understanding of what we're in. Now, of course, we see the platonic solids. We see that Again, things like the Merkaba, the Ezekiel's wheel would be situated within that of the center here, the concept of the Pentagon squaring the circle, if you will. And one thing that I found quite peculiar is that Mr. Tupacabra here just took his personal experiences and tried to not just generalize, but reductionalize them in a way. If that, I guess that's a word, maybe it isn't. If it is, I just made it up into a, into a form that is relatable to everybody in this regard and manner. Now, what's interesting about this is, again, this speaks to our own personal work that we've done on the member side here pertaining to springs, cones, coils, uh, vortexes, you know, Dan, uh, Mr. Winter, the concept of going through the tip of that pine cone to come out on the other side, all of it. And one thing that I find quite peculiar is the form and manner in which the Mr. Tupacabra actually illustrated this, because we'll see here that we'll find that the brain in this illustration, exists between the physical and the non-physical. The brain is the linkage between, we could say, one closed circuit and another closed circuit, for example, right? And of course, we have here physical objects, hands, all of this. And this is quite peculiar. Talk about timing, coincidences, fate, destiny, synchronicities. There seems to be a direct correlation with some things that we've been uh, exploring on our own and a co total coincidence pertaining to what we may be living in may not be all that there is in the sense that if we, for example, this glass of water that I'm holding up here on the screen, my, we could say, bioreceptors within my body are then sending electromagnetic impulses via the nervous system to my brain to let me know, yes, Dave, you are holding this glass. And what is happening is that we are seeing a sort of consensus not so much reality but consensus harmonization via that of phonon and photonic oscillations that then provide a sense of stability based on our brains saying oh yeah no i see that too i i see that glass dave don't worry it's real again and just simply surmising and summarizing everything quote unquote real as simply being that now we see here Again, this concept of an angel, if you will, or a non-physical space or reality, being in a sort of, we can call them angels, we can even call them servers, believe it or not. And of course, we have here the soul at the top. And one thing I find quite peculiar is the concept ideologically that there is a difference between the soul and the spirit, the mind and the brain, and many other things as well. Sort of like people say, I live in a house, but this is not home. Why would that be any different in this regard, in my humble perspective, if we were to transfer that over? So let's go back and let's take a look at Dr. Pudoff's ultra-terrestrial models. As a matter of fact, sorry, right before we do that, there's one final image I did want to pull up. And this was at the very last minute. I'm not going to pretend like I know where this image is from specifically. Some of you may in fact know, and if you put it in the chat, I will read it out once, uh, once I get to it while recording. But again, it speaks to the concept of as above, so below, the duality, and finding that middle ground where my mouse is here. 
pertaining to that of finding the center point or finding the center space. Now, a lot of people might say, okay, Dave, this is quite occult, esoteric based, you name it. Now, the question becomes, to what extent do we then have to ask that the words occult and esoteric based have been a verbiage that have been labeled and limited to prevent that of understanding the combination of what we call science, religion, mathematics, the arts, dare I say. Do we find it quite peculiar that many people over history, uh, world leaders, for better or worse, you know, uh, whether it's, uh, I mean, very positive figures, very negative figures, notice something, they all had a very intuitive understanding in some form of the arts, whether it was music, visually, harmonically, verbally they were all they were good at speaking and the ones that were not good at speaking were very good at being able to convey their ideas in one form or another which is why i wanted to wait to present this in order to get everyone allow at least a good chunk of of the members to watch um, euclid affairs chapter five because it's the pursuit of that ideological objective being more significant in the process of the pursuit than when you actually get to what you're pursuing so let's take a look at uh, Dr. Hal Pudoff's ultra-terrestrial model. So we're going to go through all of it, and we're going to make some very interesting correlations in real time. So I promise I will not uh, bore anybody, and we will uh, get right to it. So in, it starts with the abstract, and it was posted in the, uh, published in the Journal of Cosmology. Under consideration in this paper are two seminal statements, and they're uh, concomitant concomitants currently unknown as follows there's number one there's an unidentified phenomenon interacting with the current human population on earth number two it is currently unknown whether the phenomenon is exclusively et extra dimensional crypto terrestrial jinn or demonic proto or ancient human time travelers etc or some combination or mutation of any or all of these however it appears highly likely that the phenomenon per se is not constituted exclusively of members of the current human population. In this paper, we address the above and the overarching theme, ultra-terrestrials, in order to develop a template to be matched against data at hand and that may be procured in the future. So we find here that as one takes a decades-long view of the UFO UAP talk topic, it's very easy to become frustrated because the issues at hand are, first and foremost, is the phenomenon predominantly nuts and bolts, psychological, metaphysical, assuming such distinctions could even be made. And that's something we've covered on the member side quite avidly. What, again, not to splice hairs here, but what is real? What is a hologram? What is Project Bluebeam even consider worth considering uh, thinking uh, about happening or worrying about if we may in fact be living within a much more advanced version of Bluebeam? It, it, these are the questions we have to ponder in every direction possible, in my opinion. Is the source of the phenomenon predominantly terrestrial, an ancient occult group, an isolated pre-diluvial high-tech society, or stranded ETs, or again, as some of our ancestors may have called them, gods? Or is it ET, assuming that distinctions between these alternatives are even meaningful? Has the phenomenon ramped up in our era, or has it been essentially constant over millennia? Right. We then have to ask ourselves, have our world leaders within the governments have been uh, been able to cover these things up and have just now stopped covering it up as much so that we, the people, can now see it more often? You might be saying, Dave, what do you mean by that? Well, let's take a look at the 2016 appropriations budget for the fiscal year uh, that was sent to Congress from the Department of Energy. There was one, I believe it was page... Um, I think page 72 or 74. Forgive me, I don't have the paper in front of me, but essentially... 
it alluded to event cloning at exascale. What that means, again, make of that as you will, and I'm not trying to be overly vague on purpose. I'm being vague because that's literally how they left it, that vague. It could mean anything in either direction. So, are oftentimes related topics such as claimed abductions, crop circles, and animal mutilations truly related? Or are they separate categories of phenomenon? Are institutions such as governments truly that much more knowledgeable than we are, even if only in certain protected domains, compartmentalized ones, as Dr. Prudoff said, stovepiped programs, uh, or are they essentially in the same position as we are, give or take some hard data in hand? Now, the critique is that as we critique our position on these issues, three factors stand out as weaknesses that potentially could be addressed by developing new strategies. The first one is that data gathering is essentially passive. We see that typically events are reported and data are gathered and analyzed. This constitute essentially a reactive as opposed to a proactive mode. This is not meant as a pejorative statement. Astrophysicists find themselves in the same situation. Even seemingly proactive movement, movements, excuse me, such as John Greenwald, a junior's FOIA government document search in the public arena, as Mr. Greenwald was just on the show two or three months back, as of the time we're recording this, attempted collection of the detritus of classified programs by some under special protected con conditions, meaning that essentially if Mr. Greenwald wanted to file a FOIA and it still came back with nothing, is it not always because it's been scuttled off, scuttled off to private aerospace? Could it be in fact that there's some type of internal court that has allowed via the justific justification of the law via that of the terms and conditions on the public end of the bills in particularly passed within american congress um sort of like the itunes terms and conditions no one reads the damn thing let's be straight with ourselves here right same idea was there something put in any of the, those bills that allowed for something like i don't know the fisa court the, uh, the 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 secret court that gave you know grants for and warrants for uh, for surveillance and all of this is there something similar in that regard with respects to what's occurring here and then number three simply constitute efforts to cause the government to release data to passive ever hopeful recipients the ball is still in someone else's court other more proactive measures could be taken ranging from the relatively prosaic through the more tech intensive approaches right for example magnetic disturbances radio frequency gigahertz detectors multivariable monitoring suites um, exoarchaeological uh, investigations to the arcane search for evidence of anomalous manipulation of human genetic structure and stretching to the esoteric remote viewing telepathic contact and i think even that's 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 scaled back in terms of what really is esoteric but what i find quite peculiar here is that notice here the ball is still in someone else's court. Whenever someone uses, by quote-unquote, does a good job in terms of being able to extract information by coloring within the lines in the way that Mr. Greenwald has with respects to FOIA requests, for example. Whenever an agency is stuck, kind of like, you know, the ball's in their court, they just pass it to somebody else. And that is what leads to things that we've been discussing on the member side so often, which is the over, uh, uh, not just over-compartmentalization, but the over-classification of things to the point where for example be this because this will stay a members only episode say for example Naomi Rena you had your own uh, you know departments or whatever and uh, within say the United States Air Force and I say okay Na Naomi I don't know if I'm cleared for this it's on you you do the same thing pass it to Rena it just keeps getting passed around over the years and whatever no one ends up going and accessing that uh, compartment or department or program because of the fact 
that everyone's afraid to even touch it because it's been so overclassified. No one knows who's really responsible for that program. You might be saying, Dave, well, how could that be the case if there was someone initially in charge from the beginning? Well, if that person doesn't select an appointee relative to the human angle of the way in which humans behave within or without the law, if that person doesn't appoint a successor, who's going to be, who's going to, who's going to have the scruples to fill somebody in on that stuff? Just like when Mr. We watched that video with Mr. Danny Sheehan saying he found all the stuff for Iran, all the evidence of for Iran Contra, the CIA bringing the cocaine in, all that stuff. And he brought it to the head of the DEA and the DEA looked at this one page report that covered all of it. The code name of the houses to pick up the cocaine, all of it. And the head of the DEA looks at Mr. Sheehan and goes, Dan, I know what this is. You know what this is. He slides the paper back to Mr. Sheehan and says, I want to live to see my retirement. Again, we can, we can take this as an interpretation of that. The ball is still in someone else's court. Now, the question then becomes, as we see over here, by and large, our models and hypotheses are relatively circumscribed. As stated in the entry above, interested, although interested parties tend to be proponents of what would appear to be a wide range of hypotheses, ranging from it's all psychological, check your brain, through interdimensional time travelers and angels to greys and advanced spacecraft from Zeta Reticuli, there are additional options that, though mentioned in passing in the literature, are not taken very seriously and therefore go relatively unresearched. These include such categories as a hidden community of ETs or gods possibly stranded here millennia ago, a la Zechariah Sitchin's Earth Chronicle series. Isolated remnants of a pre-diluvial high-tech society, the Atlantis myth, or an ancient occult group who happened to stumble on new energy sources and control of gravity, including a post-World War II covert cabal of the military-industrial complex variety. Richard Dolan's breakaway civilization concept. May I also mention as well, too, that I would respectfully, if I were, if I was with Dr. Pudoff in the room while he was writing this, I would say as well, by the way, Winston Churchill called them the cabal as well, the high cabal, in his words. This is factual. You can look this up. This is not a conspiracy. Oh, did he say it? Did he not? No, no, no. He said, Mr. Churchill said the high cabal. Who could that be? Again, Sort of like what Ari, Ari Ben Menashe said with the Epstein stuff. Who are, who are you know, close friends of Israel? Take your pick. So, we see over here that analysts and speculation and not forensics constitutes the present core modus operandi. As the various hypotheses are generated and pursued and data is gathered, considerable intellectual efforts goes into attempting a fit between the two. Now, this is what's interesting. This, I'm not going to read this part here because this actually has to do with something we just watched the other day t pertaining to Dr. Pudoff stating that again, quote, we should really put the science to the side for a while and get detectives to work on gumshoe aspects, pursuing all possible perspectives and routes and paths until there's enough data to take it off the table. This is what really stuck out to me in the sense that this goes right back to the concept of physics being the conspiracy. What scares me and frightens me is not so much that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to and I'm going to not know what's coming. As a matter of fact, this speaks to the inversion of the reality that we're probably in. I want to wake up tomorrow having a routine, sure, but knowing that I'm not going to know what's next for the sake of benevolent exploration. But the fact that everyone wakes up in the morning, including myself, yourself, or most people, unless someone here has got a craft that I don't know about, please let me know, that you wake up in the morning and you say, okay, I'm going to head here and do this and that. This concept of humans like what's comf they're comfortable with what they know. 
I don't know if I particularly agree with that. Is that a comfortableness from indoctrination or is that naturally within us? I, I don't have the answer to that, but that's been something I've been considering because the idea that Dr. Hal Pudoff and many others have behind him backing this paper say, usually in investigative work, that metaphorical table is empty, nice and clear, until you get enough data to put stuff on the table. But Dr. Pudoff, at least in my humble interpretation, seems to be saying, think of anything and everything your imagination can, can think of and put all of it on the table until there's enough to take it off. That speaks to me personally to the inversion of what we may be living within. The perversion, rather. So again, we're going to see here that uh, we will start with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Number one. Uh, in this scenario, crash retrievals of nuts and bolts alien hardware have occurred. The detritus, or the, which which means remnants, if you will, of which has been distributed in the U.S. to corporate America, the Colonel Colonel uh, Philip Corso scenario. Setting aside the specific claims of Colonel Corso, if such is the case, certain telltale signatures should emerge under scrutiny. Moreover, some evidence indicates this could be the case. These would include a certain level of relatively low profile, possibly statesman-influenced, integrated investment control of a select set of global multinational corporations with convergent interlocking technology developments so aerospace and electronics corporations let's give a practical example apple lockheed martin let's go with that if biological specimens have been retrieved the development of unusual lines of biological genetic inquiry by highly qualified professionals whose career path would seem to diverge suddenly from what what might have been extrapolated from their early uh, earlier work for example, accelerated research into retroviruses. So, for example, uh, this this speaks to the concept of being able to diminish and, and also simultaneously transcend the stigmata of the word conspiracy. Is it particularly a conspiracy to propose or to observe the possibility that someone went to school for neuroscience, say, 40 years ago, and within the, the span of three, four decades, they're now working on things that were not even taught in those courses? I mean, again, I'm not trying to dismiss human ingenuity, but at the same time, there are certain things where it's like, was that handed to us? You know, so we have to ask. Now, the next one is sudden initiation in the late 1940s or early 50s without clear precedent, uh, precedence and in known UFO-related research institutes. For example, Battelle, Battelle Memorial Institute of concentrated development of new high-strength high-temperature, low-density intermetallic alloys funded by nearby government facilities. Again, such as Wright-Patterson Wright Air Force Base, example, the nitinol, the metal there, the aluminum there. Now, what's interesting is that I interpret this here, the 40s or 50s, to that of what we talk about quite often pertaining to the, the Atomic Energy Commission relative to the establishment of the Department of Energy. Again, something brought up in Euclid Chapter 5 uh, yesterday that it was put out as of the day we're recording this, and that's why I wanted to wait till we presented this. The next one is the Accelerated Development of geopolitical alliances, space weaponry, for reasons not wholly interpretable in terms of national interest agendas. For example, Strategic Defense Initiative, the Star Wars program in the 80s under Reagan, with NORAD, North American Air Defense, and the U.S. Space Force. What's interesting about this in this particular um, point here is there was a, I believe, a covert diplomatic communication uh, not a back channel, an official one, but it was covert, to a Republican congressman that, in I believe the 70s or the 80s, that essentially talked about how, um, we've covered this before, I should have actually had it ready, sorry, about how the Soviets had blown up a base on the moon using their particle beam weaponry, uh, you could say cannons, if you will, 
which would you know speak to the concept that for example what's called the russian woodpecker actually caused uh, what's now known as the incident in chernobyl shortly prior to the collapse of the soviet union quite interesting when you look at the timing after the soviet union fell all of a sudden there was a significant ramping up in the telekinesis uh, and and neurological investment side within the national science foundation subsidiaries within north america so again the next one is evidence for for covert manipula uh, manipulation of the ufo et theme in the public sector by government entities right the cia's 1953 robertson panel for one uh, the next one would be evidence for generally sub rosa highly classified programs addressing the issue as in the recently revealed osap atip programs the next one would be privatized access to space by enterprises such as SpaceX, Bigelow Aerospace, Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, or threats to national or international security might serve to stimulate the surfacing of certain technological developments at an accelerated rate and so on. I would say it's bigger than this. This is very scaled down pertaining to, well, is it is it too much to hide within the corporate angle of things? Now it's to the point where the technology is getting so advanced that we have, we, if we want to continue and even put some of the tech into the consumer market, do we have to reveal some of it? I think it's bigger than that. I think that um, in my humble perspective, although I could be wrong, non-human forces are pushing this change it, or pushing this, this initiative in this regard. The next one is, I've, this one is quite peculiar. This stood out to me personally very um, interestingly and it speaks to the heliocentric model or concept. The isolated humans hypothesis. An isolated high-tech closed community of humans with somewhat advanced scientific knowledge exists apart from the known culture. Telltale signatures might include continuing, uh, continuing observation of tech only somewhat in advance of public knowledge, for example, the depictions and drawings and paintings of the 1897 airships, unaccounted for, and missing financial assets and industrial-grade resources, possibly including individuals, apparent covert misdirection of society, Kind of like, you know, the hundred and something odd thousand army that Hitler had, New Schwabenland, Admiral Byrd, you know, all of that. Operation High Jump. Now, again, we have the 1897 airships that, again, seem to be coming from the Eastern European uh, nations, if I'm not mistaken, in addition to some other locations as well. And a lot of people said, okay, hold on, how do you explain this? Well, again, I would very respectfully encourage those to look back at the 1860s, 70s, 80s, and 90s as the time in which there was a large, again, Nikola Tesla, J.P. Morgan, Rockefellers, Rothschilds, very, very avid time of um, rearrangement, if you will of psychological, financial, economic uh, assets in that regard. Now we see over here that in the absence of real evidence to accept the likelihood of ET presence, the relative lack of evidence of extremely advanced sophistication of hardware. For example, hardware clearly beyond present-day design and manufacturing, even conceptually. So this speaks to the idea that you see a craft, there's a difference between seeing a craft that did stuff that looks like something, you know, from a, a Star Wars film or a Star Trek film, changing shapes, you know, shape-shifting in real time, looking like living beings in the sky, all these kind of things. It's another thing when you just see a, a you know, traditional metal disc. This would speak to the concept of something more feasible compared to, whoa, what did I just see, right? Now, we see over here the stranded or colonizing ETs or God's hypothesis. This is interesting because in the perception of those of our ancestors, it, they may have been called gods, but telltale signatures might include evidence in the myth for high-tech interpretation of claimed devices 
beyond human capability of the era to manufacture hard evidence for isolated mountain bases detectable by satellite signatures of fast walker or UCT uncorrelated target flight paths or anomalous undersea activity or bases detectable by distributed underwater monitoring systems covert elite group exercising occult religious influence in society and evidence for buried high-tech artifacts or locales within unusual signal radiation characteristics here or even off-planet and he says etc because it just keeps going on and on now there's a few things we can take from this we can take first and foremost the concept that of course you know ETs would be viewed as gods by our ancestors in the same way that if you drop the Harley Davidson uh, into society 500 a thousand years ago They'll probably figure out how to work it uh, in terms of ride it, you know, maybe get it going, but they'll probably address it in their writings as some, uh, you know, the chair, the shining chariot of whatever. It's an aluminum Harley Davidson. So again, perception is very, uh, you know, significant here. Now, he points out nuclear powered algae production of mana machines in biblical times. I couldn't help think of not just that, but, you know, the manas, all of this. Not only that, but we see here. Hard evidence for isolated mountain bases detectable by satellite signatures, kind of like Strategic Defense Initiative, NORAD, under Reagan, of fast walker or UCT flight paths. UCT, where have we heard that before? When Carl Sagan went to NORAD and said, I want everything you got on UFOs. And they said, we don't, we don't have a thing. He goes, what do you mean? I talk to people all the time just on the street. They saw this, they saw that. They go, no, Mr. Sagan, we call them UCTs. He goes, how many of those do you get a week? Ah, 40, 50, 60,000. <laughs> but, you know, we're told to ignore them. So again, make of that as you will. The next one is the interdimensional or time traveler's hypothesis. Gaining access to our space-time continuum, telltale signs might take the form of Fortean phenomena of instant appearance or disappearance of beings. In a reverse process, humans experience portal access to alternate realities. Appearance of beings uh, being out of sync in their dress, in their mannerisms, in their language, even in their technology, which is similarly undecipherable. In addition to, this is when it gets interesting, guys, the financial transaction timeline or other futures-oriented activity indicative of advanced foreknowledge, evidence for teleportation of individuals or material over geophysical distances, appearance of humanoids in conformance with predicted genetic evolution of present-day Homo sapiens. This is very advanced in the sense that what we find here is the concept of remote viewing, that you can view something via that of the third eye, if you will, separate from space and time. Separate from space and time. I couldn't help but think of this image by our, our good friend Tupacabra right over here. This overall concept, where the soul works through angels, if you will, to via the non-physical space reality to the brain the brain then takes it as you follow my mouse if you if you can guys and brings it down here now if we shape it in this regard are we not seeing or if we trace the shape the infinity symbol if you will now again let's head back to the paper itself because what we'll find as well is that this whole I, I personally I couldn't help but think of make of him as you uh, think of him as you will truly Mr. Andrew Basiajo the time traveling this and that and when you see you know certain people with cell phones and what look like cell phones and pictures again out of sync interesting so again now we see here obviously in the above examples we have a helter skelter montage of elements from the mythology of claimed UFO experiences where I consider we need to go with it is this to shift away 
from a strategy that relies solely on further content analysis and towards what the intelligence world calls traffic analysis, that is to first order independent of content, that is, he's basically saying, no matter how crazy you log it, no matter how crazy or absurd it sounds or appears or seems, consider it, log it, keep it in your, in your files, all of it. All of it. That's basically what he's saying. I'll, I'll sum that up, essentially. I mean, he says right here, for crying out loud, we must keep our minds open. The next one, okay, of course, here we have ultra-terrestrials. As a focused example of broadening the scope of our investigation, let us consider the UT, or ultra-terrestrial hypothesis, as defined above, right? Again, ancient occult group, isolated, pre-diluvial, high-tech society, stranded ETs, or quote-unquote gods. For example, sequestered terrestrial cultures existing alongside us in distinct stealth. First, what are possible signatures of an ultra-terrestrial as opposed to an extraterrestrial presence? Density of sightings over decades, if not centuries, potentially indicative of a present time local as opposed to ET sources. In other words, the UAP phenomenon is so ubiqui ubiquitous as to argue against the simple model of an occasionally visiting ET explorer. In layman's terms, honestly, I would put it as the Agarthans, a certain group of Agarthans that communicate with world governments per pertaining to that of the UN, if you will, that come in and out of inner earth to just make sure that, you know, what we do on the surface doesn't mess with them and vice versa. But because of their advancements in technology and knowledge and not having as much of an alleged butchered, uh, you could say, soul fragmentation in terms of remembering past lives or being able to live much longer, whether through organic, spiritual or technological means or a bit of both, they probably call the shots more. More than, at least more than our leaders, I would say. But that's just, that's just my take. I could be wrong. The next one would be recent since World War II claimed focused messaging regarding elimination of nuclear technologies and concern regarding environmental degradation are would-be reasonable themes for a co-located but isolated terrestrially located society. Hmm. Interesting. And I say that, why do I say that? Well, via subterfuge and disinformation, stealthily injected proliferating emphasis on the ET theme as misdirection to prevent exposure of local terrestrial habita uh, habitation, as put in Mr. Jacques Vallée's Messengers of Deception book. Now, before we go on and start looking at this particular point right over here, again, Zeno means a combining form, meaning alien, strange, or guest. Record when somebody is a guest in your home, for example. In theory, we could, again, this speaks to the verbiage and labelization of things, but we can argue ultimately, there are, you could, that person is, for as long as they're in your home, they're a Xeno human or a Xeno person. Again, doesn't sound so nice when we put the label on ourselves, but it's okay if we do it to frogs, rats, you know, nanobots, you name it, right? So again, the reason I bring that up is because if we go right over here, we've brought this up in the past. 2011, entrance to alien base at Roccapia in Italy, in Pescara, in Abruzzi, which just go figures where my family's actually from, discovered as two aliens met with Italians. Now, it, you might be saying, okay, you know, Dave, we've been through this. What's the significance? Well, first and foremost, this gentleman's height. This gentleman, we could argue, was not exactly, quote-unquote, human per se. But what's interesting about all of this is that, again, there's pictures of the craft, there's pictures of, uh, again, of, of them in the, in the, excuse me, of the craft and where allegedly this all occurred. Now, what's quite peculiar is that these beings interacted with the local royals, Italian royals and priests, and over uh, 2,000 signatures were signed pertaining to people that helped these, uh, these beings 
give uh, provide food for these beings' children. And what ended up happening was they ended up taking um, these beings, took some of the Italian royals and priests and some of the, the locals to their underground cave. Now, what's interesting here is that this is one case of many, but Paola Harris who's co-written with Jacques Vallée, very good friend of Vallée, uh, has went out of her way to go and speak to one of the witnesses in Italy when this had occurred. And now, what's interesting is this. I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna get right to the point. They, Paola Harris asks, so they showed you a new truth. And the witness or experiencer, Maurizio Cavallo says, and I quote, they showed me that the cosmos is not what we believe that life is not what we live, that everything we call reality is a pure illusion. They opened for me a window on cosmos, they brought me to the edge of madness, and they destroyed the Maurizio of the past. Before we go on, I want to say this would speak to, for better or worse, is up to what you do with it afterwards, in my opinion, just like any tool. Whichever way you lean it is not for me or anyone to say, except for you. This concept of know thyself, being reborn, if you will, it's not just exclusive to Freemasonry, if I'm going to be very clear here. It, do we think it's a coincidence that Hitler, after he said, I have seen the new man, he is scary, but I am reborn? Do we think that's a fluke? Again, he leaned it for negative, but he was shown something similar to what Maurizio seemed to have been, allegedly. Right? Now, what we see here is that um, I call them abductors. Those who imprisoned me were the same ones who gave me my new freedom. The old Maurizio existed no more. They had skinned him, lapidated him, but they had permitted to new Maurizio to look beyond the borders of what we call reality. They gave me an immense gift. They gave me freedom. And then Miss Harris says, but you had to pay a high price. He says a very high price. See, when I understand, and this fits right in with the isolated humans hypothesis in my humble perspective. Maurizio says, when I understand that these people come to me waiting for something, treating me like a guru, I always say that I have no truth to give them. I only have my own truth and it belongs to me completely. I feel upset when I realize that this truth, so strong in my mind, can be manipulated. Not everyone can understand. Now, this is what's interesting. Maurizio then says, perhaps I have trained for it before. And Miss Harris says, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Maurizio says, yes, because I realized that nothing happens by chance. My mother had been abducted too. They showed me some images, something like recorded images. They showed me images in sort of a monolith in a ruby red pyramid used like a screen. I saw images of a girl walking in a graveyard. At first sight, I could not recognize her, and they told me, it's obvious you, you can't recognize her. She is your mother when she was a girl. She knew the secrets of the stars, too. This is what's interesting. Again, if because, take a look at this. They showed me images in a sort of monolith in a ruby-red pyramid used like a screen. Kind of like this. Kind of like what our, you know, our friend Tupacabra illustrated from his personal experiences, the depiction of an attempt to bring everything together. I don't know. Make of that as you will. So, now, again, let's head back to, uh, give me one second here, the document. Interactions with humanoid genotype ranging from modern humans to quote-unquote creatures, including sightings of little people over the centuries. In count By the way, guys, this is in a physics, this was posted in, in, in a, in a, highly respected journal try getting this published five years ago ten years ago in in not a journal in a newspaper for crying even a local newspaper for crying out loud 
We have to remember this, including sightings of little people over the centuries, encounters with non-humans that haunt or folklore, uh, our folklore, excuse me, let alone genetically engineered biological robots or drones, all variants within the lexicon of alternative forms of the human genome. Seeming emphasis on reproduction, such as harvesting of sperm and ovaries from certain genetic lines, let alone hybridization, could bespeak outreach to outreach toward genetic diversity for a relatively inbred, local, isolated society on the wane and suffering from a potentially debilitating genetic syndrome. Again, this concept, again, seeming emphasis on reproduction, sort of like the greys that have claimed, you know, we're you from the future, we need help, da-da-da-da, again. Observation of vehicles not that advanced, for example, it's comprehensible as opposed to magical, even if nonetheless well in, in advance of our own, to go, okay, I don't think our military's got it, but I've seen, I've seen wonkier, basically. That's what, what's going on there. The next one is the use of telepathic information transfer. Only marginally ahead of present-day technical uh, neurobiological advances in the public domain. Just slightly ahead. Which is interesting. So does that, that, that then begs the question, okay, whatever's interacting with us, presuming it's non-human, regardless of where it's from, here or elsewhere, uh, you know, energetically or planetarily, the question then becomes, are they dumbing down their tech, their organic abilities to sort of fit our information structure comfortability so that we absorb more of the information? Or is it the other way around? Or is it a bit of both? We, this is the thing, right? Which would then speak to all options got to be on the table till we have enough data to take them off because of how many possibilities and directions it can go in. Reports of cave-like or undersea destinations during claimed abductions. And given the need for secrecy concerning the reality of all the above on the part of, of all of the above on the part of the ultra-terrestrials as co-located denizens of our planet. While nonetheless being subject to a certain level of codependence, the inscrutable nature of the interactions would not be an unexpected outcome. Hmm. Second, under the assumption of compelling evidence for the above, it would be critical to discern the motivations of the ultra-terrestrials to maintain such a secret existence. Of possible concern to them, could be of possible, again, <laughs> concern to them, could be an overarching fear of being exploited, being annihilated due to vulnerabilities, despite possessing certain levels of technological uh, superiority. Or fear of assimilation and conse consequential loss of culture, religion, customs, or uncontrolled genetic mingling. For example, culture shock, fear of human diseases, concern for consequences to the terrestrial human population at large. With its own reciprocal effects on their own culture as well. Potential disruption of resource gathering, including benefits derived from stealthy interactions with and possibly manipulating certain aspects of the human terrestrial society. Basically, in other words, in a, in a theoretical system of a plan, everything's great until that one person comes in and goes, yeah, but I don't know about that, and starts sowing doubt. There's a difference between questioning in a good faith manner and sowing doubt, in my opinion, and that's the concern. The same way we would be concerned in this regard, I think that these beings have the same concern as well. Because yes, they may be technologically advanced, but contrary to many of the previous ancestral depictions, they're not gods. They can die. So again, and if we can liken that to the 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 reporting we've covered pertaining to you know Phil Schneider, um, uh, forgive me, I forgot her name off the top of my head, but um, I think Carla Carla Turner, I think the the unfortunate, very nice lady who had a sudden onset of breast cancer develop as she was going around giving speeches, quite similar to Dr. Pudoff's paper here, 
So this is what's interesting as well too. Clearly the devil is in the details, but one could speculate that the former might in fact be more dire than the latter, considering that they had been here amongst us perhaps in very personal ways. In contrast, ET visitation in all probability being more foreign and inscrutable could be safer. Such topics constitute interesting material for sociological research. Now, this is what's really interesting, and we're going to cover, there's a few things I want to jump on there too, but Dr. Pudoff writes, for more detailed discussion of what I have called here the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis, I recommend the Crypto-Terrestrials book by Mac Tonys, the same individual who just mysteriously disappeared, allegedly because he got too close to the truth. Quite interesting that, again, there seems to be some validity there. Now, this is what's interesting. Before we... we cover this part here i want to read here that are there any hints in the uap literature that there's evidence that the ultra terrestrial scenario outlined above may have some validity author nick redfern in the book the nasa conspiracies asserts that there is his interview of an an ex-nasa gemini contractor led to the claim by the way gemini was long denied as a for years and by the way look and all of a sudden it's legit okay led to the claim that there was evidence of a small band of individuals who were not aliens from some distant star system at all, but supposedly represented the last vest vestiges of a very ancient terrestrial race of beings that thousands of years ago had an advanced and isolated civilization that was responsible for the legends of Atlantis and similar stories, but who were forced by circumstances to retreat into remote sequestered locales for survival, seabeds, mountains, etc. At present, they were primarily concerned about nuclear war and degradation of the environment, and this had led to some degree of attempting to influence our culture. However, it, they felt it had to be carried out under the ruse that they were from distant star systems to protect what they felt to be their vulnerable, vulnerable position despite their advanced technology. This then begs the question, is it reptilian shapeshifters? I'm just going to say it. Is this, um, again, are they using that technology to give the illusion of this or is this actually the case? And I'm not trying to be negatively skeptical, but just to consider all possibilities. Now, we then have to think here, corresponding to the top here, which is that would it be from a psychological perspective? Because for those of you in real time and for those on the member side we got to remember guys as much as i hate to say it we're living in terms uh, in a bubble if there were to ever be a bubble to live in in a mental sense i think this would probably be one of the better ones in the sense that we're so i say far ahead of the average person that we have to think of the average person who does not consider any of these things at all that you and i do right now which is you come home from work, for example, you turn on the local news and there's a big speech at the UN. What would be more psychologically interpretable and quote-unquote comfortable? Something coming from another planet? Or telling the masses that they've been among us this whole time and we didn't know, we, we've been duped? I don't claim to have the answer. But it would seem quite, you could say... um intelligent, depending on the intent of that goal for these beings to claim they're from other planets when they're really, you know, an ancient group or something like this. This is this goes right back to all possibilities got to be on the table until there's enough data to take them off the table. So now, again, we end with the correlation with the ET hypothesis. Although the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis scenario considered here considers an experiment uh, an expansion of the model to include other than the simple ET hypothesis, the predicted observable consequences of the two options are quite parallel. Again, quite parallel speaking to the duality of the archetype of the reality we're in. 
or even the polarity too. For our purposes here, careful consideration of data obtained along the way are to be matched against templates for the two major options, ultra or extraterrestrial, keeping in mind that it might be both and or rather than either or. Again, if there is diverging of timelines, manipulation, and I don't mean to allude to the, the, the connotation to the word manipulation as positive or negative, but you mess with some genetics from one timeline and you find a way to transfer those genes or the information structures of those genes, those genes into somebody or something else within another timeline, are they ET or are they local? They're both in theory because they're now comprised of DNA that's, again, it, it, we need to come down to the true understanding of defining that, and I'm not claiming to have the true one, we need to sort, I think we very much so should look into the concept of the, the creating a foundational uh, template, as Dr. Pudoff states here, because, to end this off, we find here that going back to what we used, just like in the Euclid uh, Chapter 5 presentation yesterday, we see here it's kind of like egregorical thought forms are being chosen to go over certain parts of the planet in more densified fashions relative to where they're needed in a manner of performing similar to that of the platonic solids with respects to the way in which they uh, form and unform in what's called Riemannian geometry or aka topology or quantum parallel infolding. Again, the reason I'm bringing up all these words, folks, is actually not to confuse any of you, but to let all of you know that these words all mean the same thing, at least as I understand it. This speaks to the attempt to um, confuse the masses and say, no, let the science, just like the folks on Wall Street, only they can do what they do. Just like the folks you know, in, in academia, only they could do what they do. Not even close, not even close. So again, this would speak to the idea that if there is some confined state within all of this that there may in fact be again here's the purple dot here and let me just take that um, red and expand it a little bit more here to connect to the purple so now we have a purple dot here purple dot here we have the projector over here and we have the circulation of all of this with the platonic solids right here does that not seem to be reminiscent of what our friend Tupacabra has described as his personal, and again, he's also stated he could be incorrect, and we're just exploring ideas here, but we, we, we correspond this, and we parallel this, and cross-reference it with, with Dr. Pudoff's paper, and it doesn't seem to be far-fetched, whether from a, an algebraic, a metaphysical perspective, a visual perspective, a philosophical, ontological perspective, you name it. So, with that said, folks, I would like to thank each and every one of you for... Uh, sticking through all of this and observing watching listening you name it whether it's in real time or afterwards i hope that this was uh, enlightening in the sense of making correlations in real time and um, i'm about to stop the recording and we will catch all of you very soon thank you everybody